happy to give Pastor Wallace a break so he didn't have to be working on his sermon while he was celebrating his anniversary. So I'm the sub in for today. I realize that several of you here uh, may have heard this sermon somewhere else over the last month, but it's something the Lord has really been laying on my heart since the beginning of this year and speaking to me personally, and I feel like it's an important message, a good reminder for our church here as well. And I've titled today, The Value of the Bible. The Value of the Bible. And uh, it's something that, the Lord, again, the Lord worked in me at the beginning of the year, just spoke to me afresh. I've been reading his word for a long, long time, but he just afresh put that in my heart, you know, dig into my word. And something I've never done before was to start writing down a thought every day or almost every day that he's laid on my heart or, or just something that jumped out to me when I was reading his scripture that day. Uh, we're going to say the verse a few times, and Pastor Wallace had no idea, but he said it in communion. That verse, Lord, opened my eyes to behold something wonderful from your word. And the Lord laid that on my heart, too. Every day when I open the, the Bible, I pray that prayer. Lord, help me to behold something awesome about you and, and from your word today. And so my one main goal for the sermon this morning is to help us to cherish the word of God in whatever form you may have it to, in, you know, today or in your life, in paper or on a tablet or a phone or whatever it may be, it is the word of God. I want to start by looking at a comparison that the Bible makes between the word of God and the name of God. Now, the name of God was greatly magnified in Israel. The Israelites understood the tremendous um, power and authority and value of the name of God. So much so, you Bible scholars would know, but they, when they wrote the name Yahweh, they would not write the vowels in it. They would write it Y-H-W-H, because they felt that to spell out the whole name of God was was almost irreverent. It was too holy of a name for them to actually write that down. So they put tremendous value on the name of God. And a name carries authority. It does with God himself. We'll look at that shortly. Um, but if we think of anybody in the natural, we think of if anybody's name, we think of some specific position that they have, some authority that they carry. We also think of some character quality that they have. You know, if I say the name uh, Pastor Wallace to you, that carries an authority to those of you who are in this church, which is all of us sitting here today. You know, it's, oh, pastor. Pastor Wallace is a pastor. Um, but it also carries some sort of character quality, right? If you know him well, there's something that comes right to mind. When you think of Pastor Wallace, there's a character quality that comes to mind. And when I think of Pastor Wallace, it's prayer. Prayer, 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 prayer. That is his, his he's devoted his life to that. And you may think of something else with him. But my point in that is, it's true with God in his name as well. His name has authority, his name also represents his character. So for instance, <clears throat> in the Bible, the word Elohim means strong one. That God Almighty is the strong, the mighty God, the great king, and it shows his authority. Another name for God is El Elyon, and it means the most high God. The God who is the highest, the greatest position that there can possibly be. You cannot have more authority than, than our God does. So that represents his authority. It also, though, another name would be Jehovah Jireh, which is 
an aspect of his character, and that is the Lord, our provider, the one who takes care of us, the one whose heart goes out to his people when they are in need and provides for the needs of his people. Or Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, our peace, the God who gives us peace in the middle of whatever we're going through, he can be the one that is our stability and calms our soul, our spirit within us, no matter what is going on around us. That's another character quality of God, that he is peace. You'll see where I'm going shortly, because we're not talking about the name of God this morning, we're talking about the word of God. But I want to show how great the name of God is. And the Bible says this in the New Testament, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, the apostle Paul writes, Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. It says, at the name of Jesus, every single knee will bow. Those that want to bow and those that don't want to bow will have to recognize the authority of the name of Jesus. That is how much um, power and authority that the name of Jesus has. In the New Testament, people were baptized in the name of Jesus. They were healed in the name of Jesus. They prayed in the name of Jesus. They preached in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> they were warned not to preach in the name of Jesus. Even demons and demonic forces, it says throughout the book of Acts and in the Gospels, were cast out in the name of Jesus Christ. That is the power and authority of his name. But let's look at what the Bible says now about his word compared to his name. King David wrote this in Psalms chapter 138. Verses 1 and 2, out of the King James, it says, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Thou hast magnified thy word above thy name. Now imagine what sort of uh, revelation this was to the Israelites who greatly understood the value and power of the name of God when King David said, your word is magnified above your very name. Tremendous uh, authority and value in the word of God. And although God has authority to do anything, he is God Almighty, he can do whatever he wants to do, he never goes against what he has written in his word. And that is one way that his word is, is elevated even above his very name. Because no matter his authority, he follows his word that he has given to us. So his word is valuable. It is priceless. And he's given it to us. Now we're going to look at three specific things, three specific areas that God's word is valuable to us, and you could come up with many, many things in the uh, lots and lots of words that God has given to us in the Bible, um, but we're reducing it down to three specific for today. The first one is that God's word brings freedom from confusion. God's word brings freedom from confusion. It sets his people free. 
Jesus said this in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. John 8, 31 to 32. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you abide in my word, you will know the truth, and it will set you free. I think most of us would agree that there is a lot of confusion in our world right now. It's hard to know who's telling the truth about what they're talking about. But God says, if you will abide in my word, you'll know the truth. That does not mean that we will be a current event expert. But that means we'll have the right perspective for our life from the word of God, no matter what is going on in the world around us. God's truth will set us free. And knowing the truth comes from, Jesus said, from abiding in my word. Now, when we think of abiding, it's, it's where you stay for a long time, right? We don't really use this word anymore. We call where we live a house. But formerly, it would have been referred to sometimes as an abode. That's the same thought. You live in your house. So what Jesus is saying is, you live in my word, You dwell in my word. It doesn't mean you spend 24 hours a day reading. It means that God's word goes into our hearts so that it is what comes to our mind when some questionable thing, some confusing area, something we're not sure about, God's word comes to us because we've been abiding in his word. And then we will know the truth so we don't have to be confused. And Jesus said, the truth will set you free. How does the truth of the word of God set us free? Well, there could be a lot of different ways because it would apply to whatever situation we're currently going through. Um, But for me, I'll give you an example from my own life. And it's something that often comes to mind. It actually came to mind yesterday with something that I was going through. And it's the words from the Apostle Apostle Paul in Colossians 3, verses 1 through 2. And Paul said this in Colossians 3, 1 through 2. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. Now, with everything going on, how easy is it for us to set our minds on the things that are on the earth? It is so easy, right? And so I am reminded of this truth in the word of God when I feel like I'm getting weighed down with something in my world, whether it's a a current world event or a sad happening or a relational issue, some, some other matter, some training thing with my children, whatever it is, there's lots of stuff that can weigh us down. This verse comes to mind. You know, you have to deal with and work through these things, but don't set your mind on it. Set your mind on what is above, because you, you're living, I am living for the things that are above, not the things here on earth. This stuff pales in comparison to our life that will be with the Lord when we get to heaven one day, and that's what I'm living for. And so that is a way this verse sets me free from getting weighed down. It can be many different ways for you, though, but the truth of God's word, when you abide in it, when it comes to you in the midst of whatever you're going through, can set you free from whatever is 
is, is weighing you down or holding you back. So the Bible is priceless. It is valuable to set us free from any sort of, of confusion. That's the first one. The second one is God's word brings life. God's word gives us life. And my first scripture I have here is 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All scripture is breathed out by God. And you know, when it says breathed out in the King James, you may have, if you have a King James Bible, it says inspired. And if you look that up, it literally means God breathed. God breathed his life into the words of this book. And that is why it is valuable for all the things it says it is, for teaching, which we like, for correction and reproof, which we don't usually like. But it's saying even those things are life-giving when they are based in the truths of the word of God. They give us life. So the scriptures are full of the life of God. Here's another passage in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and the discerning of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. How can a, a book, how can words have that sort of effect? Piercing and dividing the soul and the spirit, discerning even the thoughts and intentions of our own heart. It's because this book, it says, at the beginning of the verse is living and active. In the King James, it says quick. And if you look that up, it means alive or living. The word of God is not just words on a page. It is a living, active gift to us where God can breathe his life into our life, into our heart, into our spirit for whatever we may be going through at the time, whatever we need for the day, he can redirect us. He can encourage us. This is why, unlike any other book that you look at, you can, you can read a book once, maybe twice if it's a good book, maybe three or four times if it's really good or like really deep and you didn't catch all the stuff out of it and you've got to go back through and study it a bit more. But this one, we read all of our life. We never stop because it is alive and active. And we never say, oh yeah, I've read the Bible once. Because God wants to speak to us through his word all the time. That's why it's important to get into it daily, as, as when we can, as much as we can, because God wants to breathe life into us by the very words that he has given to us. Jesus said in Matthew chapter four and verse four, Matthew 4, 4, he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So that means we live by eating food. We know this. We can only go a certain amount of time without eating food or we will die. But Jesus is saying just like that, we live in our walk with the Lord, in our spiritual life, by 
eating every word that comes from the mouth of God. By partaking of those things, they, it gives us the life we need to, to walk with the Lord. The word here in, in this passage is rhema. And for those of you Bible scholars, you'll know there's two separate original words for the word of God. One is logos and one is rhema. Logos means just a general a written a writing word on a page. Rhema is a, a, a spoken or a breathed word, something that it becomes alive. And so all it's really saying is that when we read through the Bible, God can speak something right to our heart from the words written on the pages. He can make a thought stand out. He can make a verse stand out, something wondrous for us to behold from his word every day, something that stays with us throughout that day to remind us and encourage us in our walk with the Lord. We need that quickened word of God in order to live spiritually as much as we need food to live naturally. Sure, you can go for a little while and it'll seem like you're okay. You can live for food for a few days to a few weeks. And maybe you can cover up you know, some people do better than others. I think me, when I miss one meal, you can tell that I've missed a meal. Uh, some other people can go for oh, quite a while and you'd never have any idea that they hadn't eaten, but you can only cover it for so long until somebody starts to show the effects of having not taken care of themselves. Now, I'm not talking about fasting, I'm talking about skipping meals, a little bit different. But it's the same in the spiritual. We can miss reading the word of God and we can cover it over for a little while, but we're slowly dying when we don't take time in the word of God because it is life-giving to our walk. Again, it is living and active. Man does not live by bread alone, but by the word that comes from the mouth of God. And so that Psalm that Pastor Wallace said, and I said earlier in Psalms 119 verse 18, it says, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. And we gain life every time we do that. And I would encourage you to do that every day when you read your Bible. Say, Lord, help me to behold something wonderful from your word today. Something life-giving that I need for today. That I need for my walk with you. I'll give you an example of something from this morning that I was reading. And I took a picture of my journal so that I wouldn't have to bring my whole journal here. This is from Mark chapter 4. I'm going through the Gospels right now and reading through the, the teachings and the life of Jesus and the disciples. And it's been really excellent. But in Mark chapter 4, it's the, the story of the disciples and they've just had a full day of ministry. If you read it, they were doing a lot of work um, in their, their time with Jesus and they ministered to a lot of people. And then they get into a boat and they go out on the, the sea. And they're obviously tired. It's been a long day and Jesus falls asleep in the boat. That's the account here. And a big storm comes up. And Jesus is sleeping through the storm. And the disciples are, are, are scared. Can you imagine? Actually, the account says the boat was sinking. The boat was actually filling with water. So it was pretty severe. It wasn't just like the waves got a little bigger. They were, they were going down. And so they, they went and they woke Jesus up. And you know what their first thing they said was, don't you care? Now, what would our human response be if somebody said, don't you care? 
Well, of course I care. Sorry, guys, I fell asleep. I'm just so tired. Um, I care about you. That wasn't Jesus' response. His response, he took care of the storm. And then he said, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? And then he said, where's your faith? And then to, to answer that question for them, he didn't just leave them there. He built their faith by proving that he could stop the storm. He built their trust in him. And so I was reading through that this morning, like, wow, how Jesus worked in, in the lives of the disciples and how often that is my response if I'm going through something. Like, don't you care, Lord? What's going on? And his response is, you don't have to fear. You don't have to be afraid. Trust me and I will prove myself like he did with his disciples. And so that's just one thing, one little passage from this morning. There is so much life in the word of God that he wants to speak to us to strengthen us in our walk with him. So the Bible is inspired. It is God-breathed. It is life-giving. The third thing I want to look at today is that God's word gives direction for our life. His word gives us the direction that we need. And we're going to read Psalms 119, verse 105. Psalms 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. A lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And this might sound like the same thing repeated twice, like Jesus would say, verily, verily, truly, truly, for emphasis, but it's slightly different. And we're going to look at the difference here and break it down a little bit. The first one is a lamp to my feet. And that's like a light that shines right where you're walking, right where you're stepping. If you've ever been out walking after dark or even in the daylight, but it's really slippery or dangerous terrain where you're walking, where are you looking? At your feet. So you can, you can make sure you don't step on something you shouldn't step on or trip over something that you shouldn't trip over. And that's what the psalmist is saying here is God's word is a lamp right that shines where we're stepping so that we don't trip, so that we can see right where we need to step. For those of you who have been to our house, you know we've got a chicken coop, uh, we've got ducks, we've got chickens down over the side of our hill. And my job is to take care of those birds only at nighttime when they go to bed because it's my wife's project the rest of the time. But I go down and I go down the hill to, to where they are and I go into their pen area and I close the door and make sure they're all in the coop. But in the wintertime, it's dark, it's treacherous, it's down the slope and it can be icy. It's been quite icy this year and slippery. And the first thing that I do when I go out my door and I go to, to go take care of the birds is I get out my phone and I turn on my flashlight and I shine it down at my feet because I want to see where I am stepping. The light helps me to see my step. And then that is exactly what the word of God does for us. Okay, it's a light that shines right where we need to see. It can be an encouragement if we're feeling, if our heart is feeling down. Maybe we're reminded of what King David said. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted in me? Hope in God. Maybe that's the scripture that comes to us and shines right on our step. And so it lifts our soul. Maybe it's a, a reminder in the middle of a, a storm or a trial that God is our peace, that he's got it. We don't have to. He's in charge 
or maybe it reminds us to be merciful, or, or many other things that whatever we might be going through at that moment, his word can shine right where we need to see. So that's a lamp to my feet. The next part of that verse is a light to my path. Now the path is further on ahead, right? It's not necessarily right where we're stepping, but the path carries on further away from us. And that's the thought in this verse is not something right at this moment, but something that needs, we need to help us for a little bit later on for something that we're going to face. And it makes it a little bit more clear. Now, if you go to the original here and, and you look up what it means when it says a light to my path, the definition literally means like lightning. It's like lightning to my path. There's something interesting about lightning. It is very, very bright, but it's very, very quick. Gone, just like that. And that's what I think it's saying here. It's a great illustration. When God shows us something from his word for down our path, it's only usually one thing that we need. It's not the whole future of our lives. It's one specific thing he knows we need for our future. It's like lightning. Wherever our eyes are fixed, we see that, but we don't see everything else around it because it's so fast. We don't have time to look all around and to focus on everything. We see whatever we're looking at briefly. I'm gonna give you an example from my own life from years ago when I was going to Ghana to be a missionary. Um, And the Lord gave me this verse from Ezekiel chapter 11. And verse 16, and I'll just paraphrase the part that spoke to me. It is, I will be to you a little sanctuary in the place you are going. I didn't know all I was getting into, but I knew God was calling me to be a missionary in Ghana for an undefinite amount of time, indefinite amount of time at that point. And so when I went, I had this verse to go with me. And that was the light that shined down my path to encourage me. And I needed that verse. I needed that encouragement that God would be my little sanctuary and that for anything that I faced there. And he can do that for all of us. And he does give us that little encouragement that we need, have a verse speak into our heart, something come to us that's a bit for our future that will hold us through difficult times or other things. So the Bible gives direction for our life. It gives us that step-by-step at the moment, those reminders that come to us throughout our day from the word of God. It also gives us uh, insight into some things down our road maybe that we need, but it gives that direction. So God's word gives us freedom from confusion. It is alive and it gives us direction. I'm gonna close with a, a testimony that I heard about probably a month and a half to two months ago by now. It's an old testimony, though, from quite a while ago, but it's a a lady named Margaret Nicole. Some of you may have heard this. If you haven't, I think you can Google it. Her testimony is out there. It's quite the testimony. It's a a couple pages long written out. We're going to very brief uh, brief and shorten it for today. But she lived over in Bulgaria, and the, the communists came, and they took over her country. And they went around to every single person's house and they took this. They took their Bibles from them. They still let them gather for church at least for a time, but they took the word of God from them. And so there was a lady in Margaret's church when they came to search her house, she heard them talking to her husband at the door and, and she knew they were coming for her Bible. 
and she hid her Bible. And somehow for hours, they searched her house. They must have known that she would have had one, but they couldn't find it. They didn't find this lady's Bible. So she went to church the next Sunday with Mar to Margaret's church, and she took her Bible, and she opened up her Bible, and she started tearing out pages of her Bible. And she handed a page of her Bible to everybody who was at that church. And Margaret got one page of the Word of God. And for 25 years, she had one page of the Word of God. And she prayed to the Lord often, Lord, send me your word. She cried to the Lord, I want your word. That's how much she valued her Bible. Finally, after 25 years, she came to the United States as a refugee from Bulgaria. And a dear older Christian couple at the church that she went to her first Sunday there, they, they said they wanted to give her something and she said she wanted a Bible. So they took her to a, a bookstore, a Christian bookstore, and she, her testimony said she went and she saw all the Bibles, rows of different translations and versions and colors and, and cover materials and cases to go over them. And she just stood there and she wept and she wept because she finally had the word of God after 25 years of only having one page, she had the word of God. And her testimony ended with a challenge to everybody who was listening, and it's a challenge that I'm giving to myself and to all of us. And that is to cherish God's word every time that we feel like taking it for granted. Every time that we go to have our devotions and we're like, oh, I guess I got to read my Bible again. Because that happens to all of us, right? Every time that that comes to mind, her, her charge was, her challenge was, pray that the Holy Spirit reminds us of how valuable this is. But also she held up the one page that she still had after 25 years. And she said, I pray that you'll remember this one page. And remember that there are millions of your brothers and sisters around the world who are crying out to the Lord for his word because they don't have it, and we do. There are some countries even today where the word of God has been, and it has been taken away, or it has been changed, and the people can only get access to whatever their, their current leadership decides that they will have access to. They don't have the true word of God. It's happening in our world still. But we are blessed, probably most of us with more than one of these sitting in our houses. We have the word of God right there in our home. So my challenge to all of us is to cherish his word. And we're going to close in prayer now and just ask the Lord to, to show us wondrous things from his word as well, that this would be alive to us, a book of life and a special thing for us. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word that you have given to us. Thank you for how priceless it is that you have given us your very words in a book for us to read. It's so precious. Lord, help us to, to cherish it, Lord, to hold it close and to see it as valuable, Lord. And as we, we sit down, we read it wherever we are, Lord, we're, we, when we get into it and we read it, Lord, help us to behold wonderful things from it, God things that would speak 
You speak to us, Lord. Your life spoken into our heart, into our walk with you, Lord, to strengthen us, to encourage us for maybe even something that you want us to help somebody else with, some, some thought from the Bible. Whatever it may be, Lord, I pray that you would show us wonderful things. And we again thank you for giving us your word. You are so good, Lord. We say this in your name. Amen.